Crosby, and you're listening to the Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast. Hey, it's Tom Matthews from Return Living Dead and Friday the 13th, Part 6, to name a few, and you're listening to the Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast. Enjoy. Let me introduce myself. I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. What up, Mean Militia? I am Mean Joe Grizzly, and when I'm not cheering on a giant flying ninja turtle as he kicks the shit out of other kaiju or trying to banish a demon nun back to hell, I'm at the Grizzly Cave, watching movies, reading comics, listening to metal, and of course, crushing beers. And on this week's episode, I'm going to be bringing you a pair of reviews, one being the long-awaited return of the most brutal ass-kicking giant turtle kaiju ever with Gamera Rebirth and the other being the return of the Conjuring Universe with The Nun 2. But before we get started, I want y'all to take a second and follow the show on all social media platforms as well as joining my meme militia on the show's official Facebook group by clicking the links down in the episode description. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show on whatever platform y'all listen on. By doing this, y'all support the show and help me continue to talk to y'all about all forms of badassery. So, did the return of a fan favorite kaiju live up to the hype, and was it worth the near 20 year wait? Is the Nun 2 just like its predecessor, or does it redeem itself? Let's find out. This is Grizzly Grade Reviews. It's been 17 years since the last time we've seen anything legit released regarding Gamera. And for those of you who don't know who this is, Gamera is a giant turtle kaiju that was created as a rival for Godzilla by Toho's competitor, Daiei Studios. And although he never reached the same level of success as the G-Man did in the show era, Gamera rivals and in, this, in some areas surpasses Godzilla with the release of the Gamera Trilogy in the Heisei era of the 1990s. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Showa and the Heisei era are, those are different eras in Japan. Showa being between like the 60s and 70s, maybe even back further to the 50s to the, to the 70s, all the way up to the 1980s. And then the 80s through the 90s would be considered the Heisei era. And this is when Gamera really shined. The Gamera trilogy is probably the greatest kaiju trilogy of all time. And that's coming from me, who is a huge Godzilla fan. Gamera is badass. Now, with his return with this, the anime Gamera Rebirth, released on Netflix, it seems that the Titanic Terrapin is primed for a comeback. But will it be sparked by this anime or does it ruin all hype of seeing his return to all his glory? The answer is yes, Gamera's back and hopefully he's here to stay. So let's get to the positives. 
starting out this anime does a great job of capturing the essence and the spirit of the character of Gamera from both the Showa and the Heisei eras. The Showa era Gamera was very protective over children and would go great lengths to keep them safe even if it was potentially cause his death. And the Heisei Air Gamera was the same for the most part, but he would eventually move away from the role of protector and into the role of kill the enemy at all costs. And Gamera also is known for his talent for absolutely brutalizing his enemy. When Gamera fights other kaiju, it's always a fight to the death. And when he kills his enemy, he kills the fuck out of them. <laughs> And this continues those characteristics. And that was one of my chief concerns. And I'm so glad that this was addressed almost immediately upon his appearance in the show. Segwaying into the violence and the action, this is not Ken Fridley at all. No kids need to watch this. Gamera and these kaiju are brutal as fuck, and you will see limbs being severed, impalements, exploding bodies, decapitations, exploding heads, bisecting, etc. Again, it's brutal. And that is Gamera's MO. He and it's what separates him from Godzilla. Not to say that Godzilla was, it isn't brutal and won't brutalize his enemies or, or completely dominate his enemies. That's not what I'm saying. Gamera just, Gamera, Gamera just don't give a shit. <laughs> He's metal as fuck. And I was happy that the violence wasn't toned down. And the fights themselves are are just great very exciting throughout the entire the entire series which continues the trim of quality with Gamera and his quality since the Heisei era uh, Gamera versus Giran in particular was extremely awesome and this violence was on full display in beautiful animation at least for Gamera and the Kaiju and the environments and settings I'll get into the human animation in the negative section. And I've been pretty upfront with about, about how I feel about 3D animation. I would have preferred this to have been hand drawn, but this animation was solid overall. Uh, the human characters are great. All of them are very likable and for kid characters, that's even more rare in today's media. Most of the time kids in shows are so damn annoying you don't even want any of them to survive. You want them all to die because they're just annoying as hell. But not with these kids. These kids are great. Which leads me to my next positive. The story is simple and it almost has a Stranger Things type feel to it when it comes to these kids. Which might be why the kid characters are so likable and relatable. I feel like no episode drags. So the show is paced very well and clocking in at 43 minutes an episode, it just feels right. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like they're too long or too short. It's like hitting that sweet spot right there. But on to the negatives and I should just say negative. I have one negative that brings this down an entire score and that is the awful awful 
animation for the human characters. They look like they, you know, they look like they look like the the uh, Wii player avatars for Wii Sports. <laughs> they look so damn bad, and unfortunately, it's so jarring that it's distracting. Which just further proves my point that if you're if you're off by one thing in this 3D animation style, it throws everything off. And it sucks because, I mean, the, the kaiju in the backgrounds and the environments look incredible. And then out of nowhere, it's all thrown off by these bland and shitty looking block 3D humans. But I digress because I can go on about that all night. But that's like my only complaint about it. I, I expected this to be not good. Uh, Netflix has a... Netflix has a knack for, for screwing things up when it comes to these adaptations of these characters. The Godzilla anime tri trilogy is kind of a perfect example of that. Although I don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is. It's just not what we want. And I think I speak for everyone when I say that. It's just not what we want. From the design of Godzilla Earth to the design of all the enemies he fights, which is only really one enemy. It, it's just not what people wanted. Um, and I expected it because it was the same guy. I believe it's the same guy that, that did that trilogy. I expected this to be just as bad. And I was pleasantly surprised that it is not only on the same level as Godzilla Singular Point, but to me, it surpasses it. I think right now, if you break down all the kaiju animated material that's on Netflix, all those animated shows that are kaiju related, including Skull Island, uh, Gamera surpasses all of them. It's sitting at the top right now. And that's very, very fortunate. And, you know, after waiting so long for something, really anything involving involving this giant flying ninja turtle gamma rebirth delivers an action-packed anime series that delivers on all the bells and whistles the kaiju designs the fights the brutality the beautiful animated environments while also not compromising the quality of the human characters even if their animation quality is bad with a little hope this could be the series that revives Gamera for a new generation. So with all that being said, Gamera Rebirth gets a 4 out of 5 and is Grizzly Grade guaranteed. Now, it's back to the Conjuring Universe with The Nun 2. So, The Nun 2 takes place four years after the events of the first film, where we are once again introduced to Sister Irene as she is tasked to investigate a series of murders of priests and other church affiliates supposedly being committed by the demon nun Valak. Now I had pretty low expectations when this was announced. I, I like many others think that the nun is one of the weakest in movies in the Conjuring universe. For me it's the second weakest with the Curse of La Llorona being the worst. 
But then I started seeing early screening reports saying that this was a massive improvement over the first film and that the Conjuring universe is back and everything's going in the right direction. And I have to agree. So let's get to the positives. The returning cast members are all great with Tysa Formiga being the standout and she earns that praise. Uh, she's fantastic. She's She's got some acting chops that could put her on the same level as her mother one day, but she still has a long way to go before she gets there. Uh, Jonas Blockett, I'm going to murder that name, Blockett, <laughs> returns as Frenchie and he does well as a very caring and kind man, but he also plays the creepy slash possessed minion well also and then bonnie aarons returns as valak the demon nun and this time she is given a lot more to do in this film than just gliding around the halls of a haunted abbey uh, she gets to display some sinister and very mouseful emotions and actions without speaking a word definitely giving her big bad vibes for this cinematic universe uh i don't i don't know if if that's their intention is to make valak the quote thanos of the conjuring universe i kind of feel like that there's there's still more to come with that that we haven't really seen what they're going to be considering their big bad but she could definitely do it. They just had to keep building on this character. Uh, the CGI and effects were done very well. Uh, there's scenes where they use the setting or the environment to reveal the presence of Valak. And they're honestly beautiful. There's one in particular that is like these cracks in the wall. And they, sh they make out the shape of Valak. And I thought that was cool as shit and very unsettling, honestly. And, of course, the scene in the trailer with the magazine rack, uh, that's a little bit more extended in the movie, and I found that to be very cool as well. Uh, there are even a... This is going to sound weird, but there's even a pretty small-scale, quote, epic part at the ending of this movie that has some great effects as well and i also i'm also kind of surprised by the appearance of a creature in the third act and the cgi with that thing was very good um not the best cgi but not not like what we've been seeing from marvel and dc here lately if you know what i mean <laughs> Uh, the tension was so much better this time around, and I believe it was due to the increase in volume of kills and the upped severity of those kills. Now, this is in no way has it has does not have these gruesome and groundbreaking kills that we see in other genres, but it actually has kills throughout the film unlike its predecessor if you remember in the the first nun literally all she did was glide around the abbey at the very beginning we had these real dark death scenes of these nuns 
and I was like, man, this 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 one's gonna be different. And then, boom, it just nothing happened. You you never felt like those characters were in danger in that first film. And this is different. This give the like with the up with with the up of these kills and and the ante being up all around. This gives the audience the impression that these characters are actually in danger. And with that and the increase in violence and tension, it makes the title of horror icon that has been dis- that's been bestowed to Violet the Demon Nun feel more earned. Like we kind of just gave her that title and she's only appeared in two movies. So now that they're like actually doing something with her in her own movie, it just the title is way more earned now and that's something that I want I want these if we're going to dub somebody a horror legend I want them I want it to be earned people want to make Megan a horror legend out of nowhere now and Megan's going to get a couple more movies in uh, I still think Art the Clown still has time to go He he if he does two more films and they're as good as the quality needs to be for his type of film then he'll be given that uh, that uh title as well but i didn't feel like valak had earned that title but i do think that she's getting there with what happens in this movie the set pieces and gothic landscape gives us a more effectively creepy atmosphere than in the first film i think that the abbey in the first film was creepy and scary looking but confining the entire film to a few dark hallways and a drafty dungeon-esque like basement type area and praying area just seems like it just added to the dullness it was just it was just the same room over and over again this this movie is a little bit different when it has when it's skipping around from different parts of france and different parts of europe and i i enjoyed that just gave just gave us a, a more gothic atmosphere but let's move on to the negatives so unlike the first film which is crammed full of lore this film felt like it lacked lore and i wanted to know more about valak and its position in hell etc something to build off of and now now we do get some lore as far as like Irene goes but nothing that seems to be anything that's impactful for the future for me that was disappointing considering how good this universe is at building lore now I will tell you this and it's not really a spoiler because newsflash if you've watched any of these Conjure movies they're all over the place in the timeline so you pretty much know the outcome of things before they happen just by the nature of how the universe is set up. So there is a post credit scene or mid credit scene where it wraps around to the point where they called the Warrens to get Frenchie help. And as we all know in The Conjuring 2, they performed an exorcism on Frenchie and that led to the demon nun Valak trying to attack them. So it just comes full circle. Does that mean there's going to be another nun movie? I don't know. Um, it 
kind of closes that loop, but that doesn't mean that this is the last we've seen of Valak, obviously. Uh, the characters outside of Irene and Frenchie are kind of empty and just there. They, they just don't have any depth. Um, I can't even remember. There's another nun in this movie that accompanies Irene on her journey, and I've seen her in a few things, and I think that she's in... Um, I think she's in a couple movies I've seen recently. I don't know the actress's name. I cannot remember it off the top, but I don't remember anything about that character. I just know the only thing I knew about her is that she was questioning her faith, and that that was it. I, so these characters don't really have a lot of depth outside of the first two, which at times is one of the downfalls of the Conjuring universe. Uh, I think that there are times when the movie drags in the middle. It spends a little too much time on those supporting characters that I was talking about, and it doesn't really have that much of a payoff when it comes to that. And finally, it's just not scary. Now, I hate to give this a negative, a negative, like, mark, because not much stuff scares me anymore guys I've seen so many horror films if I've if I watched 20 horror films one might give me the heebie-jeebies I just I've seen it all uh, that doesn't mean that that I that I'm incapable of being scared it's just I've seen everything I feel like other than like Annabelle creation and the first two conjuring films that the scares aren't getting it done. I, I do think that this film is a huge improvement, but Valak is still more effectively used in The Conjuring 2 than she was used in both of, of its solo movies. And maybe it's just James Wan's style of directing, or I, I don't know, but honestly, I can't figure it out. I found I've, I found her to be much more scary in The Conjuring 2. And that's the thing is, is and that's not just a knock on Valak. That, that's a knock on everything is I feel like that Annabelle is the scariest in Annabelle creation. I like Annabelle Comes Home. I think that that whole, that whole movie is pretty damn cool. I really enjoyed it, but I don't find it scary. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, the, the two Conjuring movies are hands down the two scariest of the franchise and they do PG-13 horror properly I just don't I don't know what, what the deal is when it comes to all the other movies on why they lose some, some momentum when it comes to scares it doesn't really make sense to me but that doesn't mean that the franchise is lost or the franchise isn't worth watching. I enjoy the Conjuring universe, guys. I find it. I find the lore and the cohesiveness of the universe on like this at this simplistic level. I find it to be fun to watch. I enjoy these movies. Uh, do I think they're the best movies ever? No. But I do think that they're pretty good gateway horror films, especially when it comes to demons and possession, which is a, a genre that I've said over and over again is so played out and downplayed. The Conjuring universe finds a way to make it interesting by introducing all this lore with these haunting objects and stuff. So I, I, 
I, I do think that it needs a shot in the arm when it comes to scares. Maybe James Wan could bring back his brand of scare and try to figure out a way to get that more universal in this universe, if that makes any sense. But I feel that The Nun 2 manages to surpass its predecessor in every way. And unlike with the first film, the characters actually feel like they're in danger and their fear is justified. Uh, Violet the Demon Nun is already a horror icon, but the added kills and the upped violence, that pedigree just feels a little more earned now. The cast is great, with returning rising star Tessa Formiga leading the way by comprising her role as Sister Irene. It just lacks in the expansive lore that this universe is known for. It does have alluring Gothic and European set settings and set pieces, giving this like a sense of added dread and atmospheric spookiness that's even more effective in, than the singular location that the first film offered. But more importantly, with there not being a chapter released in the Conjuring universe in two years, the franchise just seemed like it was shelved and forgotten. But by delivering this new solid entry, The Nun 2 grabs audiences by their throats and reminds them that this franchise is very much still alive and that there's more to come. So with all that being said, The Nun 2 gets a 3.75 out of 5 and is Grizzly Grey guaranteed. Go see it. It's pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed it. If you enjoy the Conjuring movies, you will enjoy this one. And you will, no matter what, you're going to enjoy it more than the nun, the first Nun movie. And watch Gamma Rebirth on Netflix, guys. If you're a fan of giant monster movies, there's no reason why you shouldn't be watching it. Go support both of those. And with that, we bring another episode to an end. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Without y'all, the show isn't possible. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to click the links in the description below to follow me on all social media platforms. Make sure y'all go and check out Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. He is on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music. He's everywhere. Guy's great. He's a guy that does all the music for my intro and outro tracks and the music throughout each episode. Dude is a synthwave master. So go check out his playlist, man. Dude's got some good stuff, especially for the spooky season coming up. He's got a range of horror playlists that are good to listen to while, you know, you're in the background at a party or something like that. It's good shit. Uh, got SE Horicon coming up this weekend, so if any of you members of the Mean Militia are in South Carolina, come out and support the only Horicon that is in South Carolina. The only one. And tickets are very inexpensive. $20 weekend passes, $13 for single days. Uh, got some great, great guests going to be there. Uh, John Russo from Night of Living Dead and Return of Living Dead fame is going to be there. Taylor Maine from that played Michael Myers in Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2. Uh, Tiffany Sepsis is going to be there. There is a plethora of guests that are going to be there and vendors, of course, peddling a range of goods. Come on out and support it. As far as what's next, got something special coming y'all's way that I've been working on. 
and hopefully it's all going to work out and I'm going to be releasing it soon. So stay tuned for that. Got some other stuff that are coming back too that hasn't been around in a while. So stay tuned for that. But until next time, remember, I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>